It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott and Colin. It's AsianBoxing.info where you can get everything from news, videos, this podcast. You want to be on that site if you love Asian boxing. Scott, a lot to get to. Let's start with the fights that happened over this past weekend. And actually this past week, we'll go to Japan first. Junto Nakatani versus Milan Melindo. You were spot on when it came to this fight, Scott. Nakatani was just too much. Yeah, yeah, it did feel like Melindo was perhaps on the slide, and when Nakatani's just uses size, uses reach, too young, too fresh. Melindo perhaps now, now perhaps needs to go into retirement. He uh, he didn't look terrible. He didn't want to hit too many more fights like this. For Nakatani, very smart fight by him. He he knows Melindo has power. He kept him at range, used that height, uh, and, and especially his right hand, the jab, the hook, um, and didn't really take too many risks. But when he started to open up against Melindo, you could just tell he was too much. For Nakatani, where do you think he goes next? Is it a... Possible world title fight at flyweight. Does he jump up to super flyweight? He did suggest that he was making uh, flyweight quite easily, so I suggest he probably stays there. My guess is next time out he faces sort of a fringe contender type, um, a not nice city presser or a McWilliams Arroyo or perhaps even an Aston Palictor. So want to get that level of fight, then a world title fight middle to late next year. He's impressive. Only 21 um, and, again, tall, rangy for that weight. I look forward to see what he does coming up in his career. For Melindo, I agree with you. I think it's time to retire. He's had a really long career. He's had a really good career, in fairness. Perhaps a bit of an underachiever, but the reality is he's he's done quite well with himself, let's be honest, yeah. He's been in lots of world title fights. He's managed to have really good fights with like Juan Francisco Estrada, uh, Javier Mendoza, the win over Kiri Aigashi, the fantastic fights with Hekibula and Ryoichi Taguchi. He's, he's, uh, yeah, he's taken a lot of punishment. He's had a good career, but it's certainly coming to the end if it hasn't already. Someone else who his career might be almost uh, up. Gennady Golovkin fought this past weekend at Madison Square Garden. Uh, took on Sergei Derianchenko for the vacant IBF middleweight title. Great scrap. I mean, it was a good fight. Uh, in my opinion, very, very close. Uh, Triple G got the decision. Very close decision. But you can tell he's just gotten old overnight. Yeah. Fighters who come out aggressively don't tend to have very long careers, but to see him still doing this at 37 is impressive. Perhaps now he needs to look for one one big blowout bout. Whether that is a move up to one, 168 for a payday or Murata in Japan, he's perhaps got one more good bout in him. Then, then you have to fear for his health, really. Actually curious to see what you thought about the fight in terms of score. I thought Glovkin was quite lucky. I thought he was backed up a lot. I can see him winning it, but I thought it was one where I had uh, had Glovkin losing narrowly. 
I think Golovkin was landing some pretty heavy shots, but the motor on Derianchenko, he just kept coming. And you're right, that's kind of the most I've seen Golovkin backed up in a fight, even more so than against Canelo. It was the body shots. I don't think anyone's ever landed so many body shots on Golovkin. They seem to hurt him. He seems to be wincing. He don't think I've ever actually seen Golovkin hurt before. Uh, round three or round four, Dury Vernchenko, he took it to him. And Golovkin still got that great chin, but you do wonder how much more his body in general can take. Yeah, those body shots really against anyone it's going to start to wind you. Uh, it takes the air out of you, and you saw that with Golovkin. Mouth was open, gosh, at probably around the fifth round on, and that's not always a good sign, but a good job by Sergei Derianchenko. I think he uh, probably should be given another shot at, at some type of a title fight, but Golovkin, you're right. I think one more, maybe two more fights for him, and now I don't ever see him getting back in with Canelo. I bet Canelo's looking his lips at it, though. It's an easy time to face him. Just going back to Devryanchenko, yeah, he deserves another chance. I don't see him getting it. He's no high-risk, low-reward. He's going to want defenders against him. He uh, He's given two fantastic efforts at world level, and no one's going to be in a rush to face him now. That's what's unfortunate about the fight game, is when you look good... It's almost bad for you, especially if you're not a big name, because he's not the biggest household name, but he's going to give you a tough fight. And I, I, I'm in agreement with you. I, Dervianchenko, just edging Golovkin. I could see it both ways, but I hope he gets another shot just uh, so he could say he's a title holder. It would certainly be fair. Um, but when has boxing ever been fair? Uh, a couple of very, very impressive impressive young fighters on the undercard of that Golovkin fight. Let's start with Ali Akhmadov, his fellow Kazakhstan, uh, took on Andrew Hernandez and absolutely demolished him. What was the point? Hernandez looked good on paper, but then you hear that he'd taken it on short notice, he struggled to make weight, he... I don't really know what Akhmadov's team is doing here. Uh, whoever... Whoever thought Hernandez was a decent opponent at this particular time is perhaps needing to answer some real questions from Dazon. Yes, sure. Um, Hernandez had gone the distance with Caleb Plant, but I'm assuming he got fair notice for that. I'm assuming he got time to prepare because his effort against Akhmadov was terrible. He didn't look ready. He wasn't ready at all. And you kind of don't blame him because short notice, you're... Not always prepared. I know you're supposed to stay in shape and supposed to be on call. Not a fight that really helped Akhmadov when it comes to his improvement or his betterment. Certainly not a great developmental fight for him. But it's a shame because he needs those fights to develop his skills now. He's on the verge of a really big fight. Let's have him prepared for them. Israel Majumov, on the other hand, they're challenging this guy. I, I really think Alejandro Barrera... A guy who fought Errol Spence Jr., Carlos Adamas, and had an awkward style that gave Madrimov some trouble in the early rounds. Then uh, Madrimov figured things out and started to just dominate the fight and, and got the TKO in the fifth round. But this kid is special. 
this kid's very special, and I think the problem is he's too good. I have a feeling he's very bored in there. Um, Barrow should be a test. Barrow should be a fantastic test. But Majumov strikes me as someone who wants wants to be actually challenged, not just on paper challenged. He needs somebody now to take it to him, someone who knows how to look after themselves. And whilst Ferrero tried to win, he came in with a bit of ambition. Madrimov needs first better. He's he's more likely to lose by fighting opponents who are less than himself just because of his boredom. Who's the guy to challenge him? <laughs> that, that's a hell of a question. You're probably looking at somebody in the fringe of the world ranking, someone like a Jack Colquet or a Dennis Hogan maybe. I don't really see any point in facing anyone outside the top 25, top 30, an absolute push. Maybe it's time just to jump in there and, you know, go for a world title fight. I suspect that if his team can get one, then that's exactly what we will be doing. If not, a fringe contender type, yeah. There's absolutely no point in just putting him in there with opponents anymore. He's too good. He's He needs to really face someone who's going to try and beat him and be good enough to actually really test him. Maybe... Throw this one out there, Takeshi Inoue. I like that. Takeshi Inoue, very, very durable opponent. And um, he'll put his head down and maybe swing a little. But I, I don't know. Madrimov just is too skilled, I think, for a lot of these other guys. And it, it's time for the only the top guys at 154 for Madrimov. So great fights this past weekend. But uh, coming up, boy, do we have some good ones. First, let's start uh, with yesterday's fight in South Korea. Riki Naito, how did he do? He really easily defended his Oriental title, uh, being Gai Boon John in about, I think it had been rescheduled four times this year. Uh, Naito looked sharp, he looked good, he looked in control. Until the final two rounds, Naito has this recurring issue of running out of steam in rounds 10 and 11 and uh, it occurred again today um, so talented, so good to watch the issue with his lack of power um, and his stamina will probably hold him back from advancing beyond this level though. so you're saying domestic level, he's going to keep on winning titles but to take that next step, he just doesn't have enough power yeah, yeah, he's got enough power to make up for his lack of stamina. Um, if he had the power, his stamina wouldn't be an issue. If he had the stamina, his power wouldn't be an issue. Uh, hopefully, we see him against perhaps a cocky new year next year. Uh, the winner that there would then have the three main titles, the Japanese, the OPBF, and the WBO Asia Pacific. And it's about that makes sense because they did fight a few times as amateurs as well. I also, at that weight, like AJ Hirooka, I think he is someone that, you know, can challenge these these older guys as well. Certainly, and perhaps even someone like Valentin Hasekawa, who again is an older guy, but he's a fun guy to watch. Or Yusuke Kona, it's, it's a really interesting division without having that guy that can go on beyond Oriental level at the moment. Any other interesting bouts on this South Korea card? There was maybe one that was worth talking about. It was a Korean welterweight title bout between Hyuk San Lee, who's a Cameroonian-born refugee living in South Korea, and Yung Mo Yu. It was it was entertaining. Um, yeah, it was one of those 
South Korean belts we've all seen lots of times where they just sort of stand and let punches go without a great deal of skill. It's entertaining, but I didn't agree with the scorecard. I thought Lee should have won. You got the decision, and he's the new KBS welterweight champion. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott and Colin, AsianBoxing.info. This podcast, videos, and all the news and notes you could want on AsianBoxing.info. Tomorrow, we have a great, great looking fight at the lightweight division. And I've watched this young man, and I think he is ready to, to make that next step. But first, Shuichiro Yoshino needs to get past Harmonito De La Torre in this OBPF and WBO Asia Pacific lightweight title fight. So they're unifying. It's going to be a good one. It should be a good one. It should be a really good one. The OPBF title was vacated by Masayoshi Nakatani. Uh, Yoshino had chased Nakatani but couldn't land that bout. So instead, we're here now with the De La Torre bout. It's so that looks really good on paper. The unbeaten Yoshino, 10-0 with eight knockouts. I think he's had seven or eight of them in a row. De La Torre, once very highly regarded. Um, he's since a top rising Filipino. He's lost his way a little bit last couple of years, but this is his big chance to get back on the right track. For Yoshino, where is his ceiling? It's, it's high. I personally regard him as a better fighter than Nakatani, so... Yeah, I think he can be in the mix. I don't think I'll win a world title, but he'll not be in the mix. Maybe pick up one if a belt becomes loose when Lomachenko decides on his future and things. But he certainly has the potential to be up there, thereabouts. Yeah, that might be the, the case for a lot of people. Like, wait till Lomachenko retires and we'll have a shot at a lightweight belt. Oh, the Lomachenko drops back to 130. Or that, yes. But I, I love the guy's style. He has a big punch, and he's a good boxer. He's a very good boxer, very heavy-handed, very exciting. He was a very good amateur. Uh, you see, sort of, sort of see that in the way he fights. And, yeah, he's a really interesting character. He made his debut up at Welterweight and has dropped down in weight, has really found his groove recently. and You can see there's something, there's something very special about him, even if he's not yet had the opponents to show against. Well, this might be the bout to show it against Della Torre, very, very tough fighter, and it's for a couple belts. Kenichi Horikawa also will be on uh, the undercard, taking on Yuto Takahashi. This is a really strange one. It's come about in a really odd situation. Horikawa is supposed to defend his title against Ryuto Oho in August. Oho failed to commit weight. He um, got pulled out on the day of the weigh-in, and Horikawa then sparred with Kenshiro. Uh, as a public exhibition. Takahashi was actually meant to fight this month for the Japanese minimum weight title against Norihito Tanaka. Tanaka got injured, and Takahashi's then ended up with a Horikawa fight as a sort of make-do. Yeah, this should be fun. Uh, Horikawa is an old veteran, a rugged guy. Very, very tough. Takahashi is exciting. He's talented. He's hungry. Um... Yeah, I certainly expect this to be a very competitive fight, despite the two having very, very different experiences. So that fight is tomorrow. Then staying in Tokyo uh, on Friday, we have two great bouts again. First, Charlie Hosokawa versus Koki Tyson 
for the OPBF middleweight title fight. This should be a barn burner. This should be a barn burner. Um, the two actually fought earlier this year for the same title and fought to a draw. I expected that first fight to be a barn burner, and unfortunately, it kind of kind of fell a little bit short. Um, Hosokawa didn't get off to a great start. Tyson, who didn't prepare very well for the bout, he got it on relatively short notice when Yukino Naka decided not to face Hosokawa. Just looked a little bit out of share. This time, Tyson's had a full training camp. He's ready. Hosokawa's ready. This should be much better in the first contest. Also on this card, Shingo Wake versus Junriel Ramonel. Wake's already beaten him. Why is he taking this fight? That's a question I think only Wake knows. It's a stir busy. At the end of the day, he's only fought once back in January. He was expecting to get a world title fight this year, but that's not materialized. So it's a stir busy fight. Knock off some ring rust, then land the big fight next year, hopefully. When is that going to happen? When is Wake going to get that next title shot? You'd have to just guess. Um, it's a weird division, really, the super bantamweight division. We have the unified champion and Daniel Roman. He then has two different mandatories at the moment. Wake will probably be waiting for a while. Maybe he could get Navarrete. Maybe he could get Ray Vargas. If Guillermo Rigondeaux's bout with Laborio Solis takes place, then Wake becomes the number one contender with the WBC for Vargas. So that probably probably takes place next year. See, out of all those guys that you mentioned, the the Romans, the Navarretes, the Rigondeaux, I think I would want him to face Ray Vargas. To me, that's probably the most winnable fight. It's the one that suits him most stylistically, doesn't it? Navarrete is too strong. He'll do what Jonathan Gonzalez, uh, Jonathan, was it Gonzalez, I believe? Jonathan Guzman, sorry, did Tuake a few years ago. He just battered him. I think Roman would be a stylistic frustration for Wake, but Vargas, Wake, yeah, yeah, really, really interesting technical fight. Please, someone get Shingo Wake and his three puppies that he has a title fight because I want to see it. Get against someone you can beat. Don't get against a real big puncher like Guzman was. By the way, Scott, how can people watch those two days of fights on October 10th and 11th? The October 10th card will be televised on Saturday night on Tape Delay. So we'll get Yoshino's fight in full and then probably some of the Horikawa fight. At the moment, it's not totally clear how the Hosokawa Tyson. Wake Ramonal card will be made available. It's likely to be boxing rares, but it's not been confirmed. I'll take tape delay. I will, uh, I'm okay with that, especially with the hours that we have that were so off with Japan. So tape delay is fine. Hopefully, we'll be able to watch Hosokawa and a Wake fight as well. Uh, a fight that you'll be able to watch on Dazon, this one live. This upcoming Saturday in Illinois, here in the U.S. of A, Dimitri Bivol taking on Lenin Castillo. They're right below uh, the card of Usyk, my man Usyk, who I really want to watch fight, although I'm a little less excited because his opponent dropped out, or not dropped out, but, but was suspended. Uh, Bivol should take care of Castillo pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, I think he probably will, but I think Castillo's tough enough to 
not go away. He'll be there standing at the end, but people should have the skills to take a clear win. Castillo, I think, is actually a better opponent than people give him credit for. He's tough, he's heavy-handed enough, he's just a bit well, lazy, I guess. When is he going to unify? Never. <laughs> um, I don't see him getting a shot at any of the others. Again, I think it's the other way of the street type argument. Um, hopefully, as a result, he actually drops down in weight, comes and joins the party at 168, where his own do have fighters like um, Calm Smith, Billy Joe Saunders. Then we can have him in interesting fights, because at the moment, Bill's career is just a bit boring. He's getting good wins, but he's boring people. Which is weird. It, it's a little bit of an opposite to the way his career started. It, it started out and he was knocking people out and wowing a lot of folks. And, and now he's playing it a little safe. A little too safe. I'm, I'm nothing against people being safe, but it's the point where you face this one, you're way better than. Don't just take the win. Try and make the win fun to watch. Otherwise... You turn fans away. It's the Rigo, uh, Rigondeaux argument again. You are better than this guy. Make that count. Don't just show that you're better than him. Don't bore fans just to show off your skills. Now, I know that Alexander Usyk is not Asian, but I wanted to get your quick thoughts on his status as a heavyweight contender. What do you think he can do? I think he can probably unify the division. I think it's fantastic. It's just a shame that he's facing Chaz Witherspoon. I didn't like Tyron Spong's opponent. I didn't think he was going to be testing. I don't think Witherspoon's testing. You want him against someone like um, a Kaos Takam or someone who's going to be there to win, someone who's tested, proven. He's going to just shock us what he can do here. And fingers crossed, he'll be out again before the end of the year because I can't see Witherspoon doing anything to him at all. It's unfortunate that he got injured before that Carlos Takam fight because that would have been a good first test for him. Yeah, that would have been the sort of baptism of fire that he deserves at heavyweight. It would have been the bout that would test him, and it's a shame it's not happened. The Furies, the Ruizes, the Joshuas, the Wilders, they better be on notice because Usyk is coming, and he's here to shake things up, and he's also very feel. <laughs> very, very feel. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast, Scott and Colin. Scott, we have a lot of news to go around. Let's start off with Nihito Arakawa retiring the Japanese Rocky. I loved watching him fight, but I think it was time to hang him up. Yeah, he's best known, of course, for his 12-round, I guess you say, bludgeoning at the hands of Omar Figueroa in 2013. In fact, he's still fought as recently as this past April, yeah, he's he's taken a lot of punishment. He took a lot of it, one after the other after the other. To retire now is probably great for his health. He's 37, he's t- turns 38 just before Christmas. Get out and enjoy your life, mate. No more point in getting in fights like um, the Densper and Chick fight earlier this year. He just got so much respect here in America, I think, after that Figaro fight for his heart. Uh, just wish he had a punch, because I think if he had a punch, he'd be a little bit more dangerous. Yeah, it's a real shame that he only fought once more in the U.S. after that, the wide loss to Linares. It would have been fun to have seen him 
perhaps fighting a couple of times in front of a large US audience. And so he went back to Japan and lost one to Yoshitaka Kato, lost to Ricky Naito, and sort of floundered a bit after that. Someone who has a big punch and we are yearning to see back in the ring. Well, he might be back there pretty soon. Daigo Higa. He's uh, back from his suspension. I think you mentioned that he'd um, filed a request to have it suspended, to have it lifted last week. It has now officially been lifted. He is free to return to the ring, although it will be at bantamweight, which perhaps takes something off him. But he's now allowed to fight. He's targeting a return in December. And it's going to be great to see him back. And then uh, someone also who is back, Tsubasa Koura, who was kind of upset back in March for his OPBF minimum weight championship belt. Uh, since then, we haven't seen him, but uh, it looks like he's going to be fighting soon. He's going to be fighting on November 9th, although at the moment the details are a bit sketchy. His opponent has only been confirmed as being an Indonesian fighter. There's not a lot of details to go on, but they are expected to be confirmed in the next sort of 48 hours. The loss earlier this year, though, to Lito Dante was... It's one of those ones that are horrible to watch because Cora just had absolutely no answer to Dante's pressure. It's one of those that reveals, perhaps, the game plan to beat him going forward. Is there anything else, Scott, that we need to touch on? The next bout for Kita Kurihara has been announced as being against Sukasim Kiyot-Yong Youth on November 15th in what is, I guess, kind of a fringe type of world title eliminator. Both guys are world-ranked, and it should be fun. Kurihara's always great to watch, but that bout is uh, it's going to be a hard one to watch, I imagine. To the Asian Boxing Podcast, Scott and Colin, uh, these next two months are going to be spectacular. Stay in your seat, get your popcorn, because there are endless amounts of fights that are going to be coming your way, not only in world boxing, but uh, especially in Asian boxing. And uh, make sure to tune in to the Asian Boxing Podcast every week. Remember, it's asianboxing.info. We will talk to you next week.